gentlemen, and welcome to WTF Anime Episode 11. 11, of course, being a prime number, one of the strongest numbers that cannot be divided. I'm your host, Joe, and joining me, as ever, is a confused Travis. So confused. You know, this is uh, it's a lot of JoJo's, Joe. <laughs> a lot of JoJo's. A lot of JoJo's? I'm too tired for that, Joe. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this has been a long desert of JoJo through which I have walked. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to know what you think at the end of this whole, uh, you know, journey, spiritual adventure. Okay, and uh, I think it's actually literally my job to tell you once we get there. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to. <laughs> but it would be slightly less entertaining if I ask you a question and you go... Eh, I'm good. Yeah. I refuse to answer that question. Next question. <laughs> Why wouldn't you answer that question? Also, next question. <laughs> okay, so what episode of JoJo's did we watch today? So, this time around, it's part three, Stardust Crusaders. Uh, and for this, we watched episode 38, Guardian of Hell, Petushoppu as they so eloquently put it in the uh, Japanese. Oh, there, there you go. You know, it's so weird when I watch things in the dub, because it's like you just kind of add a U to a lot of American words and pronounce mm. them a little different, and boom, Japanese, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, again, uh, this is why I love the uh, Japanese version of um, of JoJo's, because the whole thing is a love letter to... Um, like 80s and 90s music that it's just this is the Japanese interpretation of those things so it just has that nice little Japanese flair to it English as it's called oh yeah so let's go for a little bit of background on part 3 of Jojo's Stardust Crusaders because this is episode 38 and honestly I picked this episode because for the most part, it doesn't involve the main character or the general plot outline. Uh, there are reasons behind that. Uh, we can get into those whenever, really. But the whole premise of Stardust Crusaders is that the main character, Jotaro Kujo, uh, his mother is fallen deathly ill because there are some weird vines growing out of her. Because okay, you know, I didn't get, I didn't get this part. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is why I get to explain it to you. Because Dio, who we might remember from part one, has gained the ability of the stand, and because he has gained the stand, and he currently is in possession of the body of Jonathan Joestar, all of the Joestar bloodline gains a stand. For the males, this is absolutely fine. They are strong and iron-willed. For the pathetic woman, it's just like, oh no, she's too weak and frail and womanly to handle a stand. So she's going to die in about 30 days. So we have to get to Cairo so that we can go and kill Dio to save Jotaro's mother, also the daughter of Joseph Joestar, who is in this part. All right, I'm going to pause right there and say, God damn it, Japan, write a woman that doesn't suck for once. Okay, um, this is an interesting point. So, there are strong female characters 
in JoJo's, I don't... I kind of understand why they did it for this, because they needed a reason for this part to exist. Um, uh, Hirohiko Araki needed a reason for this part to exist. And to me, like, this seemed the easiest part, like... For the most part of this series, Dio, who has grand designs of taking over the entire world, uh, isn't really doing much, so they have to give them the impetus. There are plenty of very good female characters in JoJo's, even though they're not always drawn to look like female, which is just a thing that Araki has. Um, but yeah, it's this is kind of an anomaly for him. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Like I said, I, I bounce in and out, and my my view of anime as a whole is not that great with the female characters. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's certainly a thing they struggle with, but, you know, Araki at least does a decent job. Part 6 is basically Orange is the New Black, but with stands. <laughs> Alright, uh, yeah. I, I don't... By the way, what is a stand, exactly? Okay. This you knew be... the question was going to come up. You should already have thought of this answer. I mean, I have the answer, but it's just, you know. So, a stand is the physical manifestation of a person's physic of a person's spiritual fighting spirit. That sounded like you repeated a couple of words there in <laughs> fighting <laughs> and one. spirit and yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's a buff robot or a some kind of other small inconsequential thing that can fight for you, and only people with stands can see them, uh, and they each have various weird effects. All right, well, at least I've got that uh, settled now, because, yeah, that was a... Without some lead-in or some explanation, when people just all of a sudden don, like, power armor... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and really it's it's the appeal of JoJo's like the stands and their power because I've mentioned before that this part part 3 is essentially a monster of the week uh story okay. which usually I'm not really all that into but because of the stand powers and Hirohiko Araki's just bonkers writing. It becomes more problem solving. Each fight has their own different set of rules. It's not always my friends believe in me, so I will punch you to death. Sometimes it's, you know, oh, let's pull a random example out of my ass. We have to figure out how to defeat this person. Uh, we have two of us. We're outnumbering the person but she is still wrecking us because we're magnetized and cars are flying at us we have to figure out how to use our powers to put us in an advantageous position the answer is dual wielding <laughs> no this is the 90s early 90s i can't remember so sword online wasn't a thing oh we can all breathe easier mm -hmm. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But anything else that I should talk about part three? Uh, it's set in 1989. Okay. Uh, um, the the time for the, the episode that we watched was kind of agnostic. 
there wasn't really much. I think there was like one scene with a car in it. But Mm. I mean, being that you're in Egypt and they still have a lot of ancient structure and all that good stuff, I couldn't really pick out a timeline. Yes. Also, it takes place in Egypt. Well, the second half of the series does. The the first half is all the journey towards Egypt. They know they have to go to Cairo and they try different kind of planes, trains and automobiles ways of getting there, getting stopped every turn by stands. And the second half of the series is they're in Cairo and let's go fight Dio. Yep. And that's where we're kicking off is in Cairo, right? We're actually in Cairo proper. Yes. Okay. So due to Joseph Josar's stand, Hermit Purple, which can take spirit photos of things of interest to him. We have a picture of the mansion where Dio is hiding. And the basically the first kind of scene we get is them trying to find this place in the strange architecture of Cairo. Right. Um, actually, doesn't it specifically open up with the, the scene with the beggars? Yeah, there's a little, like, previously on where we see, like, them questioning other people. And then, yes, uh, we have Polnareff sitting with a, um, with, like, a rag over his head, just, like, sitting down being like, oh, shit, it's way too hot. Polnareff is, um, basically France, the Japanese, uh, perception of. (laughs) Well, then, Japan thinks that everybody in France has the most bitchin' power mullet of all time. Mm-hmm. And also a KFC bucket of, ha- of hair. <laughs> yes, a KFC bucket of hair uh, that, that flows into a power mullet. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not wrong, he's also wearing a woman's blouse of some sort. Yeah, a single-strap tank top bearing his midriff to the world. Indeed he is. Nothing says France like KFC bucket mullet head with uh, the midriff showing. Mm-hmm. And his stand <laughs> also looks like a German knight, which... Look. <laughs> the most French thing about him is his name, Jean-Pierre Polnareff. <laughs> Fair enough. It doesn't really matter because we actually get very little, like you said, of the main characters in this. Yeah. It's basically them going... We need to find this house. And then they talk to the beggar that's kind of harassing uh, KFC Buckethead (laughs) and go, hey, do you know where this place is? He goes, yeah, I know all of Cairo, basically. Yep. Whips off his rags and reveals a smart business suit. I was genuinely curious as to like, because they mention stuff like the Beggars Association and stuff like that, as if it's like fact of the world. And I was just curious if like that's just a JoJo thing that they decided, or whether it actually is. Like some people's jobs in Egypt, at least in the eighties, was to be a beggar, and some people are super rich off of that. Which I just found super interesting that it's like a bit of actual culture thrown into this bizarre adventure, right? It is kind of odd, um, and I don't know, but that beggar is doing better than I am, uh, according to that car. That kind of <laughs> looked like it was a Mercedes he was about to hop into. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. Now that I feel bad about my position in life, and that I'm not a beggar, 
off he goes to find the mansion. And then Ponor remarks to the rest of the group, Hey, where's Iggy? And then we get the other By the thing. way, when, when they did that, I 100% flashed back to watching Phineas and Ferb with my kids. Hey, where's Perry? <laughs> no? Do you not know the reference? Okay. Oh, you don't. You guys don't have that over there? It's not a bad show. It's not great. Look it up. Somebody here knows what the hell I'm talking about when I say where's Perry. Uh, oh, no, I might do. Bradley D. Baker is a platypus? Yes! Cool, I know that through voice acting stuff. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Tune in next time when we review an episode of uh, Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> I'll do it. I don't care. Yeah, man. <laughs> and that's how we lose our anime crowd. <laughs> yeah. Quick, let's get them back by talking about the fucking incredible opening. All right. Go do. It It's bananas, as usual. It's super over the top, super JoJo's, and again, much with the part two opening, they kind of step it up a little in this one. There are so many, not really spoilers, because if you're coming from this having never read the manga, like, the imagery is cool but it doesn't really have any significance. Someone who has read the manga, or someone who is watching this for a second or third time, Jesus, there are a lot, a lot of really cool imagery in here that just, like, harkens forward to basically what's going to happen to all the characters. So, spoilers right at the outset, huh? If you know what you're looking for. Yeah, so it's not really spoilers, then. Yeah, I guess that's true. Fair enough. The kind of, like, main thing is, like, we see all of our uh, main characters in various situations. Uh, there are a lot of cogs and gears and watches, which, hey, Dio, am I right? Like, we get things like how some of the characters die, for example. Spoilers. But, again, like, it's it's so cool that all of the JoJo openings, like have these, like, little things that's almost kind of... It's it's one of those things where, like, there's a common thing of, like, oh, you should read the manga, blah, blah, blah. But there is kind of a nice reward to, like, watching an opening and saying, oh, I remember that from such and such. It's almost like little Easter eggs for you. Yeah, that's that's right. But, like, as someone who has never seen this before, like, what did you think is, like, the animation and the visuals and stuff? Well... It's um, it's a lot going on all at once. So mm. I think that you, like you said, you probably appreciate it more than I did. It was cool to take in visually, but I don't get as much out of it because there was so much going on in a pretty quick sequence. Mm. So pretty to look at, kind of cool, but uh, doesn't do it for me like it does for you. Yeah, yeah. It's like less than a minute and a half worth of, you know, experience. Right, but they pack a shit ton into that minute and a half. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we have to finish off with Jotaro facing down Dio while the three singers who are the uh, vocalists behind the first part, uh, the first song, the second song, and the other half of this series, basically all of the singers are involved in this song. And they have to finish off with a great order, 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 order. Of course. 
Because, <laughs> hey, that's the thing in JoJo's that Travis doesn't get to see because I didn't show him a episode about Jotaro because, oh boy, fuck Jotaro. <laughs> oh, by the way, I have a I have a question for you. When, when we get further into the plot, um, maybe I missed it. If not, maybe it wasn't there. But I'll find out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm saying it out loud now so I remember later. <laughs> sure, sure. So we cut back from the opening, and we have the adorable Boston Terrier that is Iggy, walking around the streets of Cairo. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, and I was excited they used a Boston Terrier, because I used to have a Boston Terrier. Aww. Was, <laughs> Aww. He, also, was he also named after Iggy Pop? No, no, he was named Loki. He was the smartest dog that did the worst shit. I mean, he was actually named. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds sounds reasonable enough. <laughs> Anyways. We basically have Iggy walking around, and at least at the start, we have the narrator voicing, like, Iggy's thoughts and things, like, as he's just kind of walking around, and uh, two giant-ass dogs, like, walk up to him. Basically, I assume to eat him, because dog murder is a thing that happens in JoJo's. And then, of course, as established previously, Iggy being the king of stray dogs, all he has to do is look at them and they just like, nope, don't want to fuck with that. Yep, they back right down. Take that, bitches. (laughs) Yeah, so we get this kind of little insight into what Iggy's thinking about the whole being dragged to Cairo just to help because he has a stand and they need all the stand powers they can get. So we have the two larger dogs from earlier. Hey, they see a bird beyond this gate thing to uh, a mansion that looks very familiar to anyone who's seen the picture. And then, boy, a dog murder, am I right? (laughs) So much dog murder. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, uh, both the dogs try to scramble underneath the, the gate to the front of this mansion, and it does not end well for either one of them. Yeah, there's this kind of weird, like, awful, like, sucking, uh, bone-breaking sound, and they, like, twist under the gate. Yep. (laughs) It's, oh boy. (laughs) Nummy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then it's revealed the culprit of these dog murders, and it's a falcon with a feathered helmet on its head. It sure is. Now, now is an opportune time to... Uh, ask the question. They don't ever name that falcon, do they? The narrator does. I must have missed it. What Do you remember what the, the falcon's name is? Yeah, Pet Shop. Oh, uh, see, I was I was hoping beyond hope that since he's, you know, guarding Dio's castle, that this would have been Holy Diver. <laughs> that would have been the better name for the bird. Uh, yes. You are absolutely <laughs> correct. That's I, it. No, I, I wanted, I'm just no, right I wanted here. To, I wanted to make a smart comment, but I remember that that isn't actually a holy diver stand <laughs> power later on. Uh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, there's there's Black Sabbath later. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, back to the... Uh, let's stop reminiscing about uh, 80s bands and... Uh, Get on with the show here. So so we cut back to the beggar who has pulled up his car and is like, 
basically congratulating himself and oh yes, I found this place in two hours. I am the best. I know all of Cairo. Hey, what's that giant shadow? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the giant shadow. And then he is impaled by a giant missile of ice. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And by the way, Joe calls them missiles of ice, but I'd like to update everybody on my JoJo's spear watch. That is in the shape of a spear. That is a spear. We have spears again. Spear watch lives. <laughs> That's fine. I'll let you have it. I disagree. But at least we know no more spears. I will die upon my spear watch hill for JoJo's month. <laughs> uh, so. This beggar becomes a casualty of the Joe stars looking for Dio, and Iggy's just basically like, "Fuck this! I didn't come here to die. Right. I'm I out. Just like I've been just dragged along here." Um, what's the... he has a brilliant line? All I wanted out of life is to live peacefully, find a hot bitch to uh, shack up with. <laughs> it is really good when, when I said that. I did a double take because I, I realized that was a dog delivering that line. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we get like, so a thing in JoJo's is they'll cut from the action to describe things. And I think at this point they start talking a little bit about falcons and their significance to uh, like Egyptian royalty. They do that. Um, I'm pretty certain. Uh, it's not yet, but they, they start giving facts about falcons, not, not even like their, their historical significance in Egypt. Yeah, yeah, like later on when he's pursuing Iggy, they do like this, well, falcons can travel at 500 kilometers an hour uh, over fine winds. They are the fastest creature on the planet. They can spot, appraise vital organs, like all this cool stuff that's just like, wow, Iggy is fucked. <laughs> Yeah, it, they they go all National Geographic, uh, mm. kind of break down falcon uh, biology. <laughs> <laughs> so we get like this stare, this stare down because uh, obviously Pet Shop thinks that Iggy is hanging around to jump into the uh, into the fortress of Dio, and Iggy, you know, he plays it cool. He's just like, okay, I'm going to act like a stupid dog. And then he'll leave me alone. So we get him chasing his tail and all that fun stuff. And then the uh, pet shop doesn't move on. So I... God, I fucking love Iggy. This is why I showed you the episode. I love Iggy. He's just like, well, I mean, I could definitely take this bird in a fight, but I've already tried so hard to look like an idiot. I'm just, I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> right. I've got to commit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what sells a bit. The commitment. Yep. But hey, fortunately for Iggy... Something comes along to distract Pet Shop, and it's the owner of those two dogs. Yep, he's looking for his dogs. A uh, young boy. Yep. Uh, and he asks Iggy if he's seen Chibi and Bucci. Obviously, Iggy responding, as I assume dogs do, with, Shut the fuck up, I'm a dog! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things. What would even make you think you see a dog? Hey, have you seen my dogs? <laughs> wait i have a dog in the room let's interview him have you seen my dogs he gave me a very annoyed look because i think i just woke him up <laughs> <laughs> that's 
that's the dog version of how do I know I'm a fucking dog? Exactly, exactly. Uh, so the little kid finds a collar and like looking around, like, huh, why is this collar under this gate? Oh wait, this gate is covered in blood, which is the second thing he notices. See, now I think I would have I found the blood before the collar, but hey, that's that's me. Yeah, you know, he's a dumb kid. He doesn't understand that dogs can't talk. Yeah. So, he's going to try to get into the gate now uh, because he thinks his dogs are in trouble behind the gate. And he's partially right. His dogs are behind the gate. They're not in trouble anymore. That part's over now. Is it weird that I'm saying I cannot wait for the DVD release to come out in the UK? Because there is censorship in JoJo's. Like, you saw, like, loads of black across that whole thing. Like, I just want to see how brutal they make it. Um, it's... it's a little rough. I I mean, I didn't see the actual killing of the dogs, but... Mm. The falcon is sitting on top of their two heads, pulling uh, strips of flesh off of the face as the kid's looking at it. Yeah, he pulls an eye out and makes a falcony screech, which is just Jesus pet shop. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, and it looks like the kid's about to join his dogs in being just a pile of flesh feasted upon by this terrifying bird. <laughs> but Iggy gains himself a conscience real quick and says, maybe I shouldn't let the child get murdered by the big scary bird. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, at least he likes dogs. Right. So we we have him sailing over the wall, kicking Pet Shop in the head, and then, oh, the music kicks in. I love Iggy's theme. <laughs> it's this beautiful, like, starts off wacky and then, like, kind of solidifies into this badass uh, guitar riff. Uh, it starts off wacky because his stand is The Fool. Uh, so names of stands are essentially first part of JoJo's. It's all the tarot cards. Okay, I was kind of wondering about that. Mm. And then in the later part of part three, except for two exceptions, they're named after Egyptian gods because we're in Egypt. Fair, fair enough. Okay. And then they give up on theming things and just like, I like this band. <laughs> This stand is Guar. <laughs> oh, I would love it if a stand was called Guar. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to do a quick tangent of what Guar's power is, but Travis doesn't understand how fucking crazy stand powers get. Nope, sure don't. So we we have the beautiful scene of Iggy's theme playing in the background, and he stands, and we get the beautiful like three action shots of him posing. Uh, and then they switch from narration just to kind of, I guess, make things easier, but also makes Iggy look badass. Like, he just says, oh god, what a pain, I'm gonna have to kick the crap out of this bird. Yeah. Bother. <laughs> oh, bother. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Iggy is a good boy after all. Sure. And... What's about to commence is the most violent version of Pokemon you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's Pokemon prison version. Like, people are going to get fucked up. That's right. Uh, I mean, um, 
Spear is about to get shipped. And at this point, since we're mentioning Pokemon and I thought about it, uh, one of my buddies is a big fan. Like, he texts me 45 minutes after episodes drop. (laughs) And I want to give him a shout out. So, hey, Greg, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. And I love that you enjoy what we're doing. Thanks, man. Thanks, Greg. At some point, we'll do a Pokemon episode. Oh, yeah. If we do a Pokemon episode, I'm going to, one, be angry. But, two, we could have him on. (laughs) Oh, yeah, of course. Boom, done. <laughs> wait, wait, I, I can pull it back to JoJo's. You can. In in one of the episodes, uh, like in a clip I've seen. Um, so JoJo's is a Japan-wide phenomenon. Like, so many anime, like, reference it. Uh, there was a clip recently of uh, Meowth, the Team Rocket character, the one that can talk. Yeah. Basically doing Dio poses and saying everything is useless, 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 which is essentially Dio's catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. fucking love it. So yeah, we... How in-depth... I mean, we don't really want to do a blow-by-blow. I think we can basically kind of skip to the sewer part, because it's the bit more interesting. Yeah. We do get the beautiful moment of Petchup, like, about to be run over by a Porsche, and then just to show off how fast he is, just flies under the thing. Yeah, um, there's a a back and forth with how badass the bird is versus how resilient and clever the dog is, basically, both kind of flexing their talents. Hmm. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I guess that really culminates. Um, basically, they find their way into a sewer because Iggy is just like, "Fuck this shit! I need to escape from this bird." Right. Uh, you know what? More than I thought it was going to be. Let's let's get out of here. Yeah, he definitely couldn't be in the sewers. Turns around. Oh god, there's Pet Shop. <laughs> right. There was a very Bugs Bunny moment, like when they <laughs> yeah. thought they escaped, and I lit a match, and he's right behind me. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, so Petrop fires ice missile after ice missile at the body of Iggy. Spears. Missiles. Uh, and then the head Spears. of Iggy. <laughs> missiles. Then the head of Iggy lands in the sewer water, presumably dead, but then it devol- dissolves into, stand, uh, into sand. I guess we can talk about their powers. Right. Okay, so we, we kind of put it out there about the bird. He's all kinds of ice-related stuff, uh, shooting ice missiles and yeah. uh, freezing the areas around him. So basically, Petrop's ability is ice conjuration plus manipulation. Sounds about accurate. That's easy enough to understand. What they don't describe is Iggy's power. Not really, no. No. So Iggy is able to manipulate sand, which is kind of obvious from yeah. like the the visuals of the thing but he's able to do it in so so many interesting ways like he can like when he's defending himself he just makes a shield of sand but he can also use it as a kind of trick or manipulation to create colors from the sand to be able to make in this example himself basically exploding and flying off into the uh sewer water dead Okay, so he's got a bit of mimicry power with the sand. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's an excellent moment later on where he uh, he creates a sand sculpture of Dio. <laughs> nice. 
so yeah, so Iggy tricks him and he's like, aha, I'm basically up here, slashes across. And Jesus, like, Pet Shop is a fucking badass. Like, just the kind of licking the blood, spitting it out, freezing yep. over the wound, and like, Iggy says, are you Bruce Lee or something? <laughs> right. What the hell, do you think you're Bruce Lee? <laughs> and then we get the reveal of Pet Shop stand Horus. So I wanted to quickly cover what Travis thought of the stand designs. We only see two in this episode. We see The Fool, Iggy's, and mm-hmm. we see Horus, Pet Shops. So what did you kind of, what were your general impressions of what stands looked like, with this being your first introduction to them? Well, there, there were two distinct styles there. Iggy's almost looked mechanical at times. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Horus looks I don't know, more crystalline and alien than mm. than robot. The the easiest comparison to someone who has not seen it before is Travis. You've played Metroid, I assume. I have. So Mecha Ridley is basically Horus. Okay, kind of yeah. Like it's got the whole like pseudo dragon beak and like the it looks. To me, at least, it looks somewhat mechanical. That might just be, like, the silver colorization. But stands tend to... It shifts a lot from user to user. Most of them look vaguely humanoid, but sort of buff robots with motifs of the character uh, kind of emblazoned on them. Some of them take extremely weird shapes. One of them is literally a gun. (laughs) Literally just a gun. Yeah, and its power is it shoots bullets. Oh, so it's a gun. No, but it's a stand, though. But also a gun. <laughs> yeah, it's a stand <laughs> gun. A gun stand. But yeah, it's it's interesting, like, I fucking love the creativity that goes into all the different types of stand looks. Uh, because they never, like, look... Well, for most part, they never look like what their namesake actually is. Like, Iggy's weird, like, bird half car half robot thing does not look like a fool there is a weird dragon design to horus obviously not bird design because he's already a bird but even later on when stuff becomes like band names there is never kind of an overt like oh yes this is red hot chili pepper clearly he has the red hot chili pepper band logo on his face Oh, is that really a thing? Yeah, yeah, Red Hot Chili Pepper is in part four. Oh, man. I What is... <laughs> uh-huh. What drugs do they take before they sit down to write this? Araki just really likes Western music. So much so he, like, names characters and then eventually names powers after them. But it, he missed a beat. It definitely should have been Holy Diver. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, at this point, he hadn't gone full hog into naming things after bands. Uh, In part three, there are two... Well, I guess that's kind of light. Like, he... A lot of... Some of the characters are named after musicians. For example, you have Steely Dan, Mariah after Mariah Carey, obviously Dio after Ronnie James, Vanilla Ice. That's a weird one. And then towards the oh, end, man. he's just like, I've run out of Egyptian gods and tarot cards. 
cool. Your stand is called Cream. Your stand is called Tenor Sax. <laughs> nice. And then in part four, he just like gives up and says, we'll name everything after bands. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I think that for the most part, it's going to wrap up the episode because we get that, that tense, uh, they're going to really fight moment and end scene. Yeah, this is a part one. And again, the kind of impetus behind me putting this episode in front of Travis is because A, part three isn't all that great for the most part. And B, Jotaro's boring as fuck. So I wanted to give Travis, like, here is the weird and wacky side of Jojo's Pro Adventure. Here's a dog fighting a bird. Yeah, like I said, it, it's uh, it's Pokemon Prison Edition. <laughs> or, well, you call it a Prison Edition, but I like it, so I'm going to steal it. Of, of course, that's, that's totally fine by me. Uh, and then, of course, we have the ending song, which is the Paul Metheny group, Last Train Home, because of course it is. Of course, every song from what my dad played to me in my childhood would show up in a JoJo's uh, in a JoJo's episode. And again, there are some very cool visuals in this one. There is the spoiler of who dies and who lives, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, we, we won't get too much into that. No, um... Not necessarily the best episode, but definitely very different than any of the other ones I've seen so far. Hmm. Uh, we've got we've got one more to go. We're we're almost to the top of that hill. Yes, <laughs> unfortunately, there is not more animated of JoJo, so we only have part four left to go, and I'm very excited to talk about it. Yay! I I'll be excited to to try something different. I mean, I'm not saying that I hate JoJo's, but I'm not used to doing so much that's all in the same vein, hmm. one right after the other. <laughs> yeah, I I think this... Like, obviously, I picked this whole thing to do for a birthday month because I enjoy JoJo's. It's my favorite manga. And I just wanted to... Really, I just wanted to get, like, Travis's candid reactions of what the fuck, because there is a lot of what the fuck moments that happen in JoJo's. There are... Um... You know, I think it's starting to lose impact because we've done them back to back to back. Interesting. Because it's all in the same vein of what the fuck. Hmm. Which makes sense because it's all the from the same author. Yeah. It's it's funny you say that. And we <laughs> we had this discussion off mic, I think, through uh, Google Hangouts. It does certainly lose the kind of... Something unexpected happens, something crazy off the wall happens, and you say, well, it's JoJo's. Of course something bonkers would happen. Like, of right. course sentient algae would gather together to be a uh, human. Part yeah, I, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, JoJo's going to summon Banana Man. Why, why the fuck not? I don't know. Yeah, It's yeah. JoJo's. It's just going to happen. Don't worry about it. For right now, I uh, recently caught up on part eight. This is far and away... The most insane thing that has happened in JoJo's. Is part eight? Part eight. Uh, only a manga at the moment. Uh, it's brilliant. I love it. I love exactly where it's going. I, I, as a seasoned viewer, reader of JoJo's, have no idea what the fuck's going on. <laughs> <laughs> like, And here I like things like plots that make sense and whatnot in my media. But eh. The problem is, the plot makes total sense. It's just stand powers. Um, fucking human interaction is just a thing that goes off the wall in part eight. Oh, boy. 
okay. I, I think I'm done with uh, I'm done with my rant about part eight. And Blue Hawaii just straight up looks like an angel out of Evangelion. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. You're done, done. now. I'm That's a you race off. of sentient rock human. Jesus. You're drunk no, on JoJo. Stop it, Joe. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> All right. Deep breath and business. Or should I do the next time? Yeah, I think the next time. I can't remember how the show works. <clears throat> Neither can I. Although, do I even need to do it for this episode? This is a month of JoJo's. We've already prefaced this. The next time is going to be JoJo's. But it's different JoJo's. <laughs> it is different JoJo's. Fine. Next time on WTF Anime. So we mentioned a lot. Part four. Only recently, uh, this past December, finished airing in its beautiful animated form. I'm very excited. This is, of all the JoJo parts, my favorite villain. And we're going to be watching an episode specifically catered around that villain. Episode 21. Yoshikage Kira wants to live quietly, part one. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm very excited that we're we're finally at the top of the hill and we can start <laughs> changing pace. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh we'll be getting into some some different things. Yeah, uh, some different things after this. What's also exciting is in the future here we've got some more guests coming up. We have a shit ton of guests, which yeah. I'm super happy that people have reached out and said, we want to be on your dumb show about talking about anime. <laughs> you two degenerates seem like a little bit of fun. I'll come on and talk stuff with you. <laughs> but yep, that's that's kind of all in the pipeline at the moment. We're, uh, we're, we're working through a weird backlog of us needing to record to catch up. Right, which is... Well, you set out a month-long project. <laughs> mm, yeah. And, like, it's... By the time this releases, it's been, like, 20 days since my birthday, so, like... <laughs> yep. Happy future birthday, Joe! Yeah, yeah. It's it's now... Would be closer towards my birthday without, you know, going over, and... Ah, Price is Right rules. Exactly. Exactly. Why don't, why don't we cover some business, Travis, before we ramble too long? <laughs> We could have had like a 10-minute show and <laughs> done that. Well, you know what I mean. I do. Where are we going to reach you, Joe? Well, you can reach me personally at the Joe Hadfield. The show, as ever, is at WTF Anime Show. And if you'd like to email us, uh, send us suggestions of things you'd like us to do in the future, say that you want to come on and do a guest spot. You know, we like talking to people. We like talking about anime. At least I like talking about anime. I'm still not sure how Travis entirely feels about this whole show. I get drunk to forget about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can reach us at WTFAnimeShow at gmail.com. And Travis, oh, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at DiceLobber. D-I-C-E-L-O-B-B-E-R. Come talk to me, folks. We're done with part three of JoJo's, and we're on to part four, and we didn't have to talk about the worst JoJo. Perfect. I'm going to sit here and think about uh, Pokemon shiving each other. <laughs> Night, guys. <laughs> Ta-ta.
crap, what ep- what episode number is it? <laughs> Ooh, um, I can... I did not write it down in my notes. Uh, it's uh, Hell's Pet Shop or whatever. Yep, Hell's Pet Shop. Um, hold on just one second. <laughs> this will be edited out, or be at the end. <laughs> Thank God. Oh, boy. We are professionally bad podcasters. Yes. That is my role in life. Okay, I've got it. All right.